hello, welcome. Welcome, everybody. Um, as you heard, the conference is being recorded, and I wanted to welcome everyone to the first Leading Coaches Mastermind Call, and it's brought to us by the Leading Coaches Center. I'm Susie Pomerantz, and I am the founder of the Leading Coaches Center, and I'm really excited and grateful that we have so many people registered for the call this afternoon. We had 44 people sign up. And our community is now 235 people strong. So that's a good percentage of the whole represented here today. And I'm just tickled. Um, Hello, and, and, Hi, welcome. And so this call format, if this call format, the mastermind call, ends up really serving this community, we'll do more of them. So please provide your feedback inside the Leading Coaches Center on the Be A Voice page. Um, if you haven't already joined the Be A Voice team, that's the place where the whole community can be in one conversation. Um, and I'd love to have your feedback there about what would make these calls work better or if we should keep doing them, etc. And the call is being recorded, and we will post it inside the Leaders Clubhouse, which I'll tell you more about at the end of our call today. Um, and if you want to mute yourself, just press star six. However, we want you to be able to contribute and have a real conversation here today. So if you do mute yourself as star six, remember to unmute yourself, star six again, to talk, to, to join in and, and contribute. Um, and just real quick, one of the new features, a new feature of the Leading Coaches Center site is the members only page, if you haven't already discovered that. And with the members only page, you can access that from, the, from within the site after you've logged in. And that's where I'm going to be posting new announcements and opportunities and showcasing different tools and people and just sharing goodies that are just for this community. And that page is not visible to the general public, whereas the, much of the rest of the site is. So um, the members only page is something to check out. And, and before I introduce Charlie Smith, who's with us on the call today, I want to I want to give us a chance to, do, to meet some of each other, meet our peers, and start to build community. Um, so we have a couple of folks who have volunteered already, and then I may ask for a couple more volunteers to do a quick 30-second introduction of yourself so that we can have a little bit of a meet the peers segment here. Um, and I think, Mariel, you had, you had said you'd be willing to do that. I so would. So if you'll unmute. Yes, thank you. Um, my name is Mariel Levine. Um, I have been a management consultant for about 25 years, working mostly with CEOs and executive directors of <coughs> organizations and companies. And I just recently became certified as a master coach and uh, found the training extremely interesting, very similar to the kind of consulting that I did with an added psychological dimension, which is, uh, I think, really terrific. And I've been so impressed with Susie and this uh, Leading Coaches Seminar. I'm really thrilled to be a part of it. I will just mention one or two other things. I've lived abroad two different times, in Egypt and Azerbaijan, and that has actually left me without a network in the U.S. and without contacts. And uh, one of my weak, great weaknesses is marketing. So I am, like, desperate to try to figure out how to build a coaching practice, and I'm looking forward to seminars like this, hopefully, to help me put together ways to network with colleagues and make contacts for coaching clients. Excellent. Thank you so much, Mariel. And there are folks in this community that are all amazing, fabulous people. So the whole purpose of the Leading Coaches Center is to create those kinds of relationships. Great. So thank you. Um, Stephen, Joseph, would you say hello? Yeah. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Stephen Joseph. I live on the West Coast 
a little north of California. I've been coaching for a long time, probably 30-plus years. And um, I've been working with leaders in companies. Um, I wrote, I wrote a book called Leadership Agility that is about how adult stage development affects a leader's capacity to lead. And I'm just completing a novel called Dragons at Work, which is <laughs> like a fictionalized case study, but more like a novel of somebody who, of a leader who actually transforms uh, through executive coaching. And it's a lot of fun. And uh, Susie read it. <laughs> yeah, it's fabulous. I was going to say I read it and I love it, so I can't wait till it comes out so I can help you promote <laughs> it. It's fabulous. Great. So that's me. Thank you. Thanks, Stephen. And uh, let's see, I know, um, Wendy, can I ask you to introduce yourself? I know you can say no because I didn't ask you in advance. But. <laughs> Hi, Annie. Yes, I'd be happy to. I'm Wendy Kaplan. I live in the Boston, Massachusetts area, and I'm a master certified coach with the International Coach Federation, and I've been uh, coaching executives and entrepreneurs, mostly in corporations, since 1993, and I'm happy to be on the call. <laughs> thank you, thank you. And we have a couple more minutes, so if there's one or two more folks who want to volunteer to say hello. Hi, Susie. This is Hannah Wilder in the UK. Hi, Hannah. Welcome. Hi. I'd happy. I'm happy to introduce myself. I used to live in Santa Fe, Boston, all all, all around. I work. Uh, I'm a global executive coach, and also I educate global executive coaches and have been talking about it for oh, maybe a decade, mostly with people looking at me as if I were from another planet. But recently, <laughs> people are beginning to catch on that, yes, it's a good idea to know how global economic systems work and how to work cross-culturally and so on. So happy to talk to anyone about that. My website is adventara.com. And... Um, I'm, I'm an expat myself. I moved to the U.K. in 2005 and married a British man 12 years younger than I am. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> Good for you. There's a term for that here in the U.S. now. What do they call it, a cougar? A woman who marries mm -hmm. younger is a cougar, so you're an official cougar. <laughs> it's about a fourth of all the marriages in the U.K., so it's a fourth younger woman, fourth younger men. It's not like the U.S. where... The man has to be older. Europe is different. Oh. I didn't move. I did not move here for this reason. But, I didn't. <laughs> but if you're Great. thinking about it, um, just know that. <laughs> Thank okay, you, ladies. Anyone else want to say hello and introduce yourself? Yeah, hello. Oh, go ahead. Hello, this is Gerhard. Gerhard Schwand. Hi, Gerhard. Hi there. Uh, I am a little bit of a uh, unique animal. Uh, I am an efficiency expert, uh, which means I use the coaching approach to help people with their personal efficiency. Uh, uh, basically help them overcome this creeping feeling of anxiety and overwhelm that they get when they look at their workplace. And uh, that seems to work really well and has worked extremely well. And I'm in the process right now of expanding that more in corporate structure. I'm actually repackaging um, my uh, services 
and uh, we're very interested to get any kind of a tip or anything in that area to uh, break into that field. And my website is www.efficiencyexperts.us. Thank you, Gerhard. And I can share with the group from personal experience with Gerhard that he, his coach approach to efficiency and organization and systems are phenomenal. Phenomenal. Thank you. Um, yeah, one more. Let's, let's hear from one more. Okay. This is uh, Austin. Mel Austin here in Olympia, Washington. Well, hello, Mel Austin. Wow. How are you doing? Excellent. Um, I, I'm actually thrilled to be on the call primarily because uh, as a coach, as an executive coach, you know, doing doing uh, consulting for probably the last 20, 20 years or so, I tend to I tend to work alone, and it's not my favorite way to work because I already know all the things that I know, and I don't know the stuff that I don't know. And working with other people and having communities like this is uh, is always an incredibly nurturing and uh, rich learning experience. And as far as I can tell, that's what I'm in the game for. Uh, in, ter in terms of my work, as since, since we've worked together, Susie, uh, the work my work has developed more in terms of using. Uh, the different careers of my of my past. So I was a I was an actor who worked on Broadway for 12 years. Uh, I was a yoga teacher who opened one of the first yoga centers in Miami in the early 70s. And using using theater and theater theater techniques and practices and exercises along with yoga. Like I teach all my my clients meditation because being an observer is the key to everything, as far as I can tell. And um, that's kind of the nature of the practice of executive leadership. People are always looking to expand their repertoires as leaders and as human beings and um, having access to different modalities and using them robustly and with great uh, uh, intensity really provides a lot of um, learning and growth for my clients. Great. Thank you, Mel. Thanks for being on the call, and thank you to everyone who had a chance to do uh, a Meet the Peers introduction. I, I wish we, you know, we could do a whole call just introducing ourselves if, if we actually, if everyone who registered for the call is on here, that's 45 people, that would take up the whole hour. So um, I want to close that portion of the call off for now, and when, when we're in the dialogue with Charlie that Charlie's going to guide us through, then when you speak up, Please state your name so that we'll know who's speaking, and if you want to say a little bit about where you are at that time, that's fine too. Um, but for now, I am delighted and honored to introduce Charles Smith, and this is a real treat to have Charlie on the call with us today. Charlie's in Florida, and when I first started my coaching business 17 years ago, it was because of and in the context of working with Charlie and his company, his company, Charles Smith & Associates, was where I got trained as a coach 17 years ago. Um, and he's brilliant. He's Harvard educated. He's an author of a whole bunch of books, the latest of which is, um, is Sustaining Transformation, Navigating from the Future. It's a primer for sustained transformation. And he's going to talk to us today about breakthrough innovation and sustainable transformation. And I don't have any idea about where the conversation is going to go, um, but I know that it's going to be rich and deep and amazing because Charlie is one of, the, one of the original visionaries, and he's a real possibility guy, um, and, and opens up contexts in really rich and beautiful ways. 
which I know you'll see as we move on here. But Charlie, what else? What have I neglected to say about you that would be important to mention? I can't think of anything else. That's great, Susie. <laughs> well, I'm so excited you're here, and and you know if you want to just kick it off, and I'm going to invite people to really have this be a dialogue and a conversation, and I want to invite your participation, which I know with this crowd won't be hard. Um, but let's uh, let's see where we go, and we're going to stop probably um, like 10 minutes before the hour to make some announcements, and then we'll wrap up the call at the top of the hour, and then I'll stay on the call a little bit longer for whoever wants to continue the dialogue. Um, but we'll officially end at the top of the hour, and then just kind of hang out in the back of the room, as, as it were, for anyone else. So, Charlie, it's all yours. Hi, thanks, Susie. Hello, everybody. <clears throat> Hello, Mel. I haven't seen you in 15 years. <laughs> Been a long, long time. Uh, yeah, to be on with you. Yeah, indeed. So uh, I'm going to talk for about ten minutes, and feel free to interrupt. And then after that, uh, we'll just engage. You ask questions, or if you have something to say, we'll just uh, try to make it a dialogue. Uh, I've been doing this for just about 41 years. Uh, I had built up a consulting company and organization development and uh, sold it a few years ago and have been working alone and in alliances since then. Well, let me start with what I really care about these days. I learned something from Susie that's uh, pretty amazing. Is uh, In the past months, she's introduced me to a few people and I've gotten along with those people more famously in a, in a better way with all kinds of possibility coming out of it and, and work and potential work than has ever happened to me before in a concerted way. You know, tying up with the right people isn't such an easy thing. And after a, a few of those conversations, I, I realized that what I was most looking for was kindred spirits people with whom I shared energy, I shared attention, people who had the same relationship to possibility that I did. And uh, I started making a list. I, I now have a list of kindred spirits. Now, there's a, a legend that says that there's 36 rabbis in hiding who, if they can find each other, will transform the world. And I started to think that this kindred spirit idea Distinction is the uh, is is the path. So I'm excited about this call, and I'm excited about my relationship with Susie, uh, and I'm excited about finding people with whom I share intent, with whom I share chemistry, uh, whether it goes anywhere or not. Uh, I really care about coaching. We used to do work with whole companies and departments, and right now what I really care about is coaching CEOs and leaders who keep their word. What I found after years and years, even when we did great work, it tended not to persist. But if you find a leader who is a student and who will keep their word with what we teach them, it's so gratifying, and you see the difference just cascade out through the organization. I care about that. Uh, I care about writing articles and books and contributing to blogs. It's just a great way to connect, again, with kindred spirits, people who want to buy what you have and people who want to communicate. 
And it's also a great way to find out what I really mean. This most recent book, uh, Navigating from the Future, the one that Susie just mentioned, was uh, really my telling the truth about coaching and this business, what it really takes, and uh, including uh, how often it does not work. It, it, uh, when I finished, I, I really never needed to say those things again. They were, I was, I was, they were out. What I've learned in the past few years, somebody mentioned Santa Fe. I lived in Santa Fe for a number of years and did a lot of work on the Indian reservations and made some very fast Indian friends. And what I, what I learned is that in their philosophy, the world consists of interacting energy flows, not objects. We live in an object-based world. You have organization structure. You have measurement. You have treating people as objects. A reality is physical. It's object-based. But there's another reality I learned, which is to see it as energetic flows. That what's really going on at the core between you and me right now is a, an energetic flow. It, it's flowing from me to you and will soon from you to me. And if you just accept that, I came to accept it, to actually see that it was that way. It altered the way I saw the world. Uh, I actually ended up selling my consulting company and moving to Santa Fe from, from that insight. Because what it means is that good ideas, the force of will, isn't enough to win that the systems, the individuals, the groups, the companies with the most energy in focus will prevail. They'll win. That what really matters is energy. And that they, so and I've moved from a, a, a linear and even a money bottom line to an energy bottom line. And I've also come to uh, believe and, and, and practice that this is predictive, that you can actually predict success in any project, in any relationship, by how much vitality or energy or power to act is there in the in, right now, in the moment. So if you look at and if you look at your own experience in relationships and projects, as they get worse and worse and lose, the energy goes down, and as they win, the energy goes up. So that led to a whole new view of coaching for me and a whole bunch of invention uh, because the question then became if that's, if you accept that assumption, systems with the most energy will win then what is it that makes energy go up and what is it that makes energy go down and I started to develop uh, a model like uh, you could answer it for yourself, what, what makes energy go up in an organization you know, positive relationship None of this is rocket science. What makes it go up? The commitment to action, uh, the personal responsibility for breakthrough result, results, leadership, leaders that inspire people to what they're capable of and not what just what they already do. And you could have your own list. I came up with my own factors for what is it that makes energy go up and what is it that makes energy go down. And I developed a way of measuring them with a simple questionnaire and then I found it was predictive. You could actually make an algorithm relating those elements that make energy go up and down to a prediction of success that the current 
chance of success that was face valid. People accepted it and they were able to act on it. And uh, my work since then has been based on that. You know, the workshops we're designing, the coaching we're doing, is all starting with a premise of what is it. It's a dialogue, really. It's a the first dialogue is a dialogue for aliveness or energy, and the intent is to teach the leader to, to become a steward of energy and not just going for whatever the result is. Uh, and then the rest of it has to do with what you could derive or what I derived from the premise that we're really dealing with an energetic phenomenon. For example, there's a dialogue for noble purpose. One of my missions now, maybe my main mission, is to have organizations combine a noble purpose with a business purpose. We worked with uh, Denon Yogurt, the senior team, a couple of years ago, and they had taken uh, the well-being of all their customers as well as quadrupling their sales, and they really, really meant it. And I saw inspiration and enrollment and appreciation and respect and commitment to work like I'd never seen before. The energy surged by elevating noble purpose to along with the pragmatic purpose. And it goes on from there. You know, well, whether it's a dialogue for getting outside the box, all of us are always inside some box, some place where there's no exit for us. This is, you know, it's fundamental to coaching, help people get outside the box. And the object of that for me is an energy release. Defining the game as energy makes it fluid. You don't get stuck as often. And whether you're working with imagination or just the power of connection. You know, connect. It's ultimately it's all about connection. Uh, this guy in Santa Fe did a study of indigenous people all over the world and found that they all had one common thing in, in one thing in common, which is that power comes from connection, the vitality of connection, and that connection is either to ideas or to people or to spiritual, to spirit, uh, or to relationship. So that's really what I'm doing. I'm uh, looking for kindred spirits. I'm uh, coaching people to be responsible, to help them be responsible for doing their own organization transformation. And uh, I'm trying to change the paradigm of organization from object-based and linear and forceful to energetic. So that's uh, that's that's the introduction. Uh, comments, questions, discussion. I just have a quick, small question, um, Charlie. Could you give us an example of a noble purpose, for example, from the Dan and Yogurt or some other experience? Yeah, you know, it was to. In their case, it was to. Uh, contribute to the health and well-being of all of their customers. They sold their biscuit factories, their cookie factories. Uh, uh -huh. Would be is 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 one. Uh, it's it's really when you're talking to the CEO, it's what do they deeply? If you say what is it that you deeply care about for the world, they will usually come up with something. And when you can elevate that 
just something that the organization can begin to stand for. It makes a big difference. And by the way, if anybody has any question about anything that isn't in this topic I raised, please ask it as well. That's fine. Because I know some of you came to the call with other concerns. Go ahead. Uh, I had a, a comment that I wanted to make. First of all, I want to salute you for recognizing the energy structure of life and how it relates to organizations and to growth. Uh, I, I find it very refreshing to find somebody else that has the same point of view. And I definitely would like to connect up uh, further with you, just by the way, it's yeah, I would like yeah. that, too, because I've been doing workshops in Shanghai, in China, in Breakthrough Innovation, and yeah. what, I've, what I've found is that when you can get people to start to see what's going on in the room and in their organization from this energetic point of view and that their goal in any conversation is to produce vitality in focus, mm -hmm. vitality in a focus, then the whole possibility of producing a breakthrough increases because exactly. it, 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 it just having it having the reality become fluid allows for a breakthrough in uh, some really good ways so thank you yeah you're welcome uh, just so, I'm sorry just so to to, uh, to give you some reality on what that means to me is basically my whole coaching approach is to help organizations and individuals to actually make that energy flow smoothly through the organization and not get stuck and not get sidelined and not get, get entangled into other things. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. Yeah, very good. The, uh, when I'm working with a, a CEO in Detroit who's just wonderful in that he will take some obstacle to energy flow and that he has not been paying attention to and make it his personal goal for the year to impact that in the, in the system. Because if you, in this energetic logic, energy flows where the attention goes. The, the most yes. powerful tool you've got is where you pay attention because that's where energy flows in your life or where the leaders or the senior management or anybody pays attention, that's where the energy goes. So when they'll, when they'll become responsible for that phenomenon, you can get miracles to happen, or they get them to happen, and it persists because they've altered the structure of where they pay attention. Yeah. Wonderful. So, Charlie... This is Susie. Is there a point in the coaching engagement where you introduce energy as a way to sustain a transformation that they've already accomplished in the coaching, or do you go in with that? Like, do you sell energy flows? What is it that you're selling when you're selling a coaching engagement? And when does the no? What I'm when do you bring no, the energy conversation? It, it's, it, it, I don't sell it initially because it's. Uh, I do not sell that initially. What I do initially. You can only sell pe I, what I think. What I've learned is you can only sell people what they want in the first place, <laughs> and 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 you can't sell them. You, you can't sell them your good idea, however good it is. So, it's 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 a it's a question of what is it that they're present to or up against or challenged by that they really don't have their hands on. They really don't think they can control it. 
and they are willing to, you know, they have, they'll take courage to throw their hat over the wall and talk to me. Uh, so the I, I I sell based on referral primarily is is if somebody will introduce me to somebody and that person's credible that makes a huge difference. And the second is if I just go around in the street every day and I ask ten people how are you, and I do it authentically and genuinely, I'm going to end up with ten counseling patients. <laughs> and and that's it's the same in for me in, in selling consulting or coaching is if I ask them how are you they're going to tell me how they are when they not always but when they it when it when they tell me how they are how they are may mean they want to get promoted it may have nothing to do with the project it may have to do with the project it may have to do with anything but it's with what they're authentically and genuinely challenged by that they care about it's the basis of the coaching sale now once into that then all of the theoretical and uh practice stuff comes into play charlie uh this is lowell nuremberg in dc uh-huh. um let us say you find someone who has an issue they want to deal with. How do you establish or shift the context into one of energy from wherever they are? Uh, well, I do it with questions. You know, how how are you? Uh, there's any number. There's any number of questions, but. Uh, you know, how are you helping this be successful? How are you suppressing it? What's the impact of that behavior? What's the impact of that behavior on your own energy and other people's energy? What drains your energy? If you just ask them what drains their energy, you, it lead, which, is, which will be readily available, it then leads to a conversation about what do you suppose is draining the energy of other people? Could we ask them? That kind of thing. Mm. So your questions begin to include the word energy, and, and I can see where they can shift into that perspective. Yeah, very much. It's all got to be with questions. Uh, mm-hmm. Making Doing it with assertions, most folks will just resist. They sure. have to do it. People will develop their own material if you ask the right questions. So, Thank you. Charlie, I'm, this is Stephen Joseph from California. Uh-huh, Stephen. And, and uh, <clears throat> first... I want to declare myself as a kindred spirit, at least from my end. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the other thing is, you you know, I am uh, a practitioner of various mind-body disciplines. So for 45 years, you know, I've had a personal practice of Mm -hmm. uh, all kinds of stuff, a couple of hours a day. You know, I just love to do that. And I often teach that to... um, uh, my clients, the way uh, I think Matt Austin was—is that you? No, uh, yeah. Described, um, described, and I—I I do that to to sort of liberate their personal energy inside their own system, and um, and also to make them available uh, towards the the deeper things that are are bothering them and the things they could become passionate about. So that. In other words, try to reduce the noise in the system so they can get really clear about what they want. Um, I was wondering if you incorporate uh, any kinds of 
things that'll that'll get them to 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 actually uh, work with that kind of energy directly. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah. The, the, if, the, if, you, if the context is solidly organizational, the framework, the, the larger intent is solidly in service of the organization, then there's license for me to, to go down that path. So I will, uh, what will I do in, in that regard? A lot of it would be a, a, a I'm, I'm using Eckhart Tolle and the the power of now, and yeah. I, I I believe that transformation comes from presence, from being now real now. That's where it comes from. Every discipline, whether it's psychological or sociological or any discipline, is trying to get to the moment of now, the moment of change. So, I mean, breathing will do it. Silence will do it. Uh, I like double binds. I like having conversations where a person ends up in a double bind that induces presence. Uh, the, the the power of my own contact with them. I was I got trained in Gestalt therapy uh, a long time ago, and the the power of my own contact with them. They're they're increasing their awareness of how they make contact with themselves and with with other people, with ideas, with things, will do that. Anything that induces presence gives you access, I believe, to what's essentially there, which is energetic. And ener- even the word energetic is an abstraction. I mean, I'm not totally clear what's actually there, but it's it's that it, it, it intensity in the moment kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. great. Yeah. Charlie, do you compare this energy to chi? It's the same. I, I, I wrote a paper. It's actually my paper is on Susie's uh, site called uh, an energy-based, what's it called? It's an energy-based something or other, uh, en- measuring, uh, what's it called? It en- measuring energy-based innovation or something like that but it's yes and and when i i I co-wrote it with a woman in china and it's the same as chi it's the same as what measuring measuring the impact of culture and leadership on innovation is that the one right yeah that saying it that way is uh is a good way of getting to it (laughs) because if you if if you if you say measuring the impact of culture and leadership on on uh, innovation, it'll take you immediately down into the energetic uh, energetic phenomena. Um, and that that was written partly, you know, to, just for you know, to enroll people, and partly uh, I, I I made a. It's also on Susie's site, but I've invented a, a tool for measuring energy called the Merlin Navigator. Uh, and uh, this is a, kind of a promotion. It, it's ultimately a promotion piece for, for that tool. But you can, you can read about it on the site. Okay. Hi, Charlie. This is, this is Hannah Wilder in the U.K. Uh-huh. Um, I'm a, I think I have to declare myself another kindred spirit. Mm, I'm the you. person who mentioned Santa Fe and 
there I got to know a man named Gregory Cajete, who is one of the in, member of one of the north eight, eight northern pueblos. Uh-huh. And Which also, one? Which pueblo? Um, I think uh, I can't remember. He's now teaching at in Albuquerque. I have his books on. Um, uh-huh. He has several books on the ed, on educational systems based on Native American. Right. So. Um, viewpoint. So I'm interested in the person who did that study um, in Santa Fe, but I also was a member for uh, 10 years of Thich Nhat Hanh's Order of Interbeing. Uh-huh. Um, I know that. It's about it's a mindfulness-based practice. Yes. Um, I was a lay member rather than a monastic member. Um, and now I'm sort of um, moving and also I have two people that I mentored who's this is frustrating for me, who got their books on mindful coaching out before I've gotten any of my books out at all. <laughs> um, Doug Silsby is one of them, and uh, there was another person who did her dissertation with me through um, Institute for Transpersonal Psychology. But mm-hmm. um, I guess the the questions that I, when I listen to you think about speaking about presence and questions, the two that come out, for me, the most um, are, and I, I think I'm fortunate that, like you, that I work by referral quite a bit. Um, is rather than what's the problem, or you know, some version of that. I I really uh, I'm fortunate to be able to start with where is the possibility and where's the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I'm very interested in neuroscience as it in, relates to the expansion of the mind. So those yes. questions mm-hmm. that expand and open the mind into new possibility. And I'm wondering, um, and you've mentioned um, a couple of things, but uh, how are you relating to all the research that's coming out on neuroscience, I'm right. thinking well, particularly of Rick Hansen's book, on Buddha's Brain, for example? Mm-hmm. Um let me see. It, it, in, in the, the, I read a book last year and had numbers of conversations. And there's a book by uh, a psychiatrist named Doidge, "The Brain That Changes Itself." Yes, yes, I'm reading that now. Yeah, it's uh, and it's a wonderful book. And I was very much taken both with the plasticity of the brain, but also their ability to block unwanted behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, like, if you somebody who had a stroke, if you block the good arm, it'll force the use of the arm they can't use in in miraculous mm-hmm. ways. So, I've got mm-hmm. a section in my book on blocking. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if if you block, no possibility, you will get possibility. I mean, they have you can only do it with permission because they won't like it. But you you can block. You can generate the opposite by blocking what's there with permission. In a sense, that's what you're, by degrees, doing as a coach. Like if they, my best work has been with people that did whatever I told them. It's rare, you know. Usually they make their own mind up. But when they, but if you can block what they do that doesn't work, you'll get a new possibility much of the time. So I'm, I'm very much with that. I don't know a lot about it, but the, the. What I, the little bit I do know has been uh, most helpful. Well, it's flooding out now, so all of us are probably lapping it up because it's very helpful mm-hmm. in speaking to our clients. 
Yeah, because it's... We can explain why what we are doing right. works. Yeah, it's physical, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much. Uh, who was the person in Santa Fe who did this study that you mentioned? Oh, uh, oh uh, Jose Stevens. Okay. He, he's a he's a psychotherapist and an author, and he's written a whole bunch of books on uh, shamanism and psychology, and it, it's in one of his books. I don't remember which one. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. This, hey, Charlie, is the end. Uh, this is Maynard uh, Brussman in San Francisco. Yes, Maynard. And Charlie, I have kind of a little different question is, um, I'm working with a company, I'm a consulting psychologist and executive coach in San Francisco, uh-huh. and I work with some companies that have, you know, purpose and, you know, larger things they want to do, but what about the company, for example, I'm working with a lead generation company, and the um, uh, executive coach of the CEO and a couple of vice presidents, but they really don't think the company has, you know, any larger, quote-unquote, purpose or you know, getting even deeper into energy. They just think it's transactional, and I've been trying to get them to that place. But they really think this is all we do. We just help companies develop leads for automobile insurance, and that's basically all it is. I mean, so Jeff, if it works with a company where it's more that, it doesn't seem to have this quote-unquote noble purpose, but you maybe would help to like, like to help them maybe get to that kind of a place, but they really don't see that as a possibility. Yeah, I don't have anything really smart to say about that. Uh <laughs> If if you can, you know, if you can work, you ask somebody if they would consider that there's a remote possibility that that's true. Like if you could get them into a a place. There's a I had a good friend in Santa Fe died a couple of years ago, and he's at his view was that the world at its core consisted entirely of adjacent possibilities that really what we're dealing with is an infinite number of adjacent possibilities that don't exist until you ask the right question so just imagine that's true that the world consists of an infinite number of adjacent possibilities but you can only see the possibilities that are adjacent to the one you're in but you won't actually see it until you ask a question that evokes the possibility. So with someone like that, it's really a question of like, uh, and it dep- how you, whether or not you could ask it depends on your relationship, but what is it about you that has you say that? You know, what could have you come to say that? You know, but to just keep, to invent, like, the, the goal would be to invent the question that would evoke the possibility you're looking for. And that that question probably has something to do with what you're afraid of. Like, if you look at, if I, now you, if, if I, when I look at what I'm afraid of in any situation and I turn that into the goal, I get, I usually have a breakthrough. So you would look at this, like any, when you're looking at this, uh, client, what is it that you would never say to him? What is it that you're afraid to say to him or her? And then either say it or ask a question about it. But if you do it f- with love or with caring, uh, you can get him to think something he doesn't already think, which is the goal, or to see something he doesn't already see. 
Does that make any sense to you? No, 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 no it does. I mean, so, yeah, um, yeah that, that's great. I, I really appreciate that. I think uh, it gave me some insights into things I might do this, uh, this, this week with a couple of people. Thank you, Charlie. I appreciate that. Terrific. Terrific. Good. Also, Maynard, having it be okay that they don't have a noble purpose might be relevant too, right? Just mm-hmm. having, just acknowledging and validating that they don't have to have a noble purpose and what's possible if they do. Well, actually, yeah, Susie, actually, that's kind of where we're at, and actually they're going to sell the company, and where we're kind of at is that when they develop the new company, they're actually thinking about something that might be more noble, but they actually have kind of considered that is really the reality. This is this is what it is, you know, and right. maybe next go-around there'll be something different. See, it, I think it's contextual. It's like I think almost everybody has a noble purpose for themselves and for the world. It, they, it just doesn't belong in the company. And part of the exercise is to breathe, for me, is to breathe life into it, to distinguish it, clarify it. What What is it that you deeply care about for the world, not in the company context, and then ask how could you bring that to the company? The, the company itself doesn't have a noble purpose. It just, If it were going to embrace one, it would have to be somehow consistent with the company's business. But the source of the noble purpose isn't the company, and I frankly don't even think it's a group. It's, it's always whoever's running the place or owns it. Charlie, this is Lowell Nuremberg again. Um, uh-huh. I have this uh, kind of theory that uh, about getting energy to go up, one simple way to do that is to have people feel good or feel better. Um, and wondering whether if you can if if one proves that to people and one of their objectives is whatever they're doing see if they can raise that uh, energy or emotional vibration if you will and then see if they were able to within business create a business that did that for others mhm like that start to approach something akin to a noble purpose yeah i that that Yes, I, I I agree with that. In the the energy manifests presents itself, as far as I can see, only four ways: either emotionally and feelings, the way you just said, or mentally with good ideas and creativity, or physically in uh, performance and results, or spiritually in values, principles, and you know, an elevated sense of meaning. So the energy manifests in those four ways, potentially. What happens in many, many companies is that the culture only lets it manifest physically and mentally, you know, in in physical performance and with some creativity. Mm -hmm. So for me, the question is, where is it blocked or where is it not? It's one of the things we measure in that assessment is, is, where is the energy being suppressed? And it's often, as you say, like if you had to pick one, it's usually if you had to pick the one, it's mostly suppressed. It's emotional, as you say. Mm-hmm. Uh, adding a noble purpose uh, adds a spiritual dimension to it, uh, and 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 so on. So it, it's really a fourfold analysis, of which the feeling part is uh you know it's often fundamental usually fundamental good Charlie? yeah Charlie? this is a uh, Stuart Hirsch in uh, Boston area Massachusetts uh-huh um i'm wondering how this fits i've been doing some strategic planning 
yeah. with some uh, practice groups and professional services. And and one of the things that usually comes out is there's always an element that that has this energetic piece uh, that brings in the values, that brings in this really positive, um, noble purpose. And you know, we don't call it that, but but ultimately that's what it is. And um, I'm wondering how what you're talking about fits into strategic planning for an organization and creating the vision. Well, I think it's fundamental. Um, I'm, I'm doing it as a in this navigating from the future logic. What I was, what I'm saying, is that there are six dialogues. There's really six fundamental dialogues. And if you have those dialogues, you'll make a lot of money, you'll be happy, you'll be creative, and you'll be socially responsible. Um, and I'm just making it a premise. It, yeah, it does fit in. And you need to start where they already are with, you know, commitment in a dialogue for commitment, you know, to whether it's their own alignment or to some action or to results or to a breakthrough but you want to start with commitment, but if you establish that it's an energetic, that, that we're really dealing with a dialogue, then you have a dialogue for aliveness and energy, what's going to keep us really on a energetic right now, what's going to improve our energetic expression right now, whether it's in performance or relationship or whatever. Then you can introduce, then when you do the, the visioning, you have license to categorize it, to make it really, really strong, both from a pragmatic point of view, what will be true in three years in performance and what will be true in three years in terms of our ethical contribution. So part of it comes from your own stand for the distinction, your own commitment to that's important. But it has to get set up powerfully in a, appreciation of whatever it is they care about in the first place. So, uh, Charlie, what, what are those um what are those six? It's uh six Well, it's a it's it's a dialogue for noble purpose, dialogue for aliveness and energy, a dialogue for getting out of the box, a dialogue for imagination. Uh, when, when you get outside of whatever the box is, whatever the self-limiting beliefs or the domain addiction or all of, all of them being right, um, the possibility and imagination lives outside. A dialogue for connection, you know, dialogue which is really a dialogue for shared meaning, for attraction, for contact, for uh, relationship, for you know. And then a dialogue for commitment. And what I've found is that everything I've ever learned falls into those categories, and that by putting them into dialogue form, you then have a a, a practical basis for engaging in a coaching conversation or a change management conversation, for that matter. Charlie, in which book are these? Is this discussed? Uh, well, most of what I've talked about is in uh, navigating from the future, 
Okay. Uh, the um, six dialogue business isn't written up yet. I, I, we're, I, we're doing a course. I've done uh, more than half my work in my life in the UK, and we're going to do a workshop there, a public workshop in uh, June, I hope. We're just going to market it. But that's the first time I'm reducing all of this conversation to six dialogues. Okay, I'd be happy to help with that if you'd like. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, uh, please get my email. From, well, I'll give you my email, anybody. It's S, S as in Sam, M as in Mary, I, C H A R L I E at AOL.com. It's and you can joke. also find you can also find Charlie in the Leading Coaches Center if you go into members and just search for Charlie. He's in there, um, and you can easily send him a message inside the Leading Coaches Center too. So right, and the book li- the book link is in there too. So listen, thank you very much for listening and asking those great questions. And uh, uh, you have made me feel a lot better than I did when I woke up this morning. So. <laughs> <laughs> and Charlie, you have opened all kinds of possibilities for all of us, I think. So I'm immensely grateful to you and to Susie for arranging this and being willing to do it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank Susie. you, Charlie. Well, now you guys, energy. I just wanted to give you guys all a little taste of um, Charlie. It's such a joy to spend time with him. As you can see, we could do a whole day and, you know, just kind of all sit at Charlie's feet and gather the droplets of wisdom as they fall out of his mouth. It's, that's my experience anyway. Every time I get on the phone or on Skype with him, and um, and so this is just a little taste, but I wanted to, I promised you in the beginning of the call that I'd tell you a little bit more about the clubhouse because Charlie has what we're calling a faculty page inside the Leading Coaches Academy, which is just one element of the clubhouse. And so those of you who are already members of the clubhouse, you can go to Charlie's page, um, just go under, click on Academy, and you can find Charlie's page, and there's tons of stuff in there. Um, articles that he's written, inf- more information about the book, a video of him talking on YouTube um, that we've got in there, you know, and also some demos. You could do some demos around the Merlin Navigator tool that he mentioned and think about how you might apply that with your clients because um, it's a brilliant, brilliant tool, the Merlin Navigator. And, um, and so just to tell you a little bit about the Clubhouse, you can access it from within the Leading Coaches Center under the Build Your Business tab. And that will take you to the clubhouse. But, but a lot of what's in the clubhouse is sort of behind the wall, if you will, and, and you have to be a paid member to join. But for those of you that are on this call, I'm going to give you the secret code so that you can get in for free for a month, scoop it, you know, scope it out and check it out and see what's in there, and, um, and then you can actually you know, become a, member, a paying member if you want after that or not. It's up to you. But I'm going to give you the code so you can go in there and explore and find out more about Charlie and um, and all of his stuff. And also Gerhardt, who spoke earlier on this call too, Gerhardt is also one of our faculty members. So if what he was saying about efficiency expertise is in, of interest to you, Gerhardt also has a faculty page in the academy. We've got about 10 of the pages loaded now on different subjects. And um, I've probably got another 15 in the hopper that are ready to, to get loaded. Um, and some of the other things that you'll find in the clubhouse is the Secret of Champions interviews. And those are, right now there are three in there. There's an interview with Mike Jay, an interview with John Ward, and an interview with Kate Steinbacker. And the idea of the Secrets of the Champions is that it's a place where um, I'm going to be doing 30-minute recorded interviews with different stars in our industry 
about various business models that they've used to build successful businesses, and it's a way of picking their brains, and you can just download those, listen to those, and um, okay. learn more about different business models and things like that. So we're, while we're in the process of building and populating the Leading Coaches Center, the, um, the charter rate to join that is uh, $27 a month. But the, the idea is that we'll build so much value in it then when we launch, it'll be so much more value that it'll be a no-brainer at the full launch rate, which will be 97 a month. So let me go ahead and um, since we're coming up to the top of the hour, I want to make sure I have time to give you guys the secret code so that you can join and, and access it for free. And I'm hearing some interference. If there's someone who's having another conversation, I think I'm hearing another conversation in the background. Um, so anyway, so if you... If you go to the Clubhouse homepage, there's a blue box that says Charter Membership Special, Join Now, blue with white and gold writing. So if you click on Join Now, it'll take you right to the, um, the shopping cart page. And all you do is where it says Coupon Code underneath, you enter the coupon code SP, like Susie Pomerantz, SP2009, and that will um, take the $27 price away and you'll get the first month for free. But I will say there's the way the technology is set up, you'll still have to enter in your credit card information and all of that in order to, to complete the process. You won't be charged for the first month. And um, it goes in automatically to automatically renew. So just a heads up, if you don't have an intention of paying $27 a month, then just make sure you quit, you know, you cancel your membership before it before the month is up, you know. The, otherwise, it'll automatically charge your card another twenty-seven dollars each month. Supposedly, we're having some technology glitches with that anyway, so <laughs> this may all be for naught. But, um, but anyway, that's the uh, you know. If you want to support the clubhouse and help us continue to build it out by um, joining as a paying member with twenty-seven a month, that would be fabulous. Um, but regardless, I wanted everyone on this call to have access to the information in there, so you can learn more about Charlie and his stuff. Um, as a result of this call. So with that, we are at the top of the hour, and I want to officially wrap up the call and thank you all for being here and, and invite whoever wants to hang out to stay on the call and hang out a little bit longer, and you know we can continue talking. And, um, but I just wanted to say thank you to everybody. It's been a real great treat. Thank you, Charlie, for being here and for opening You're up our, our minds more. And, um, and thank you all for being here. And thank you, Susie. You know, yeah, you're sort you, of Susie. a great model of energy personified, mm -hmm. <laughs> and clearly, uh, and clearly, an example of how energy leads to success. I mean, you yeah, are great. really dazzling. Yeah. Well, thank great you. Dazzling. Yeah. Dazzling, great word. Thank you, Susie. Thank you, Charlie. Yeah, you're bye -bye. welcome. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you both. Yes. Thanks very everybody. much. Yeah. Oh, Charlie, you know, I was thinking with that, that was interesting, those six dialogues. I'm wondering if you have a write-up of that somewhere, like a just a, a brief synopsis. Maybe we could post that on the blog for the leading coaching yeah, let's, center. Let's talk, about how to, let's talk about how to do it. I think it's a great idea. But it's not, it, right now it's uh, uh, what it is is the six dialogues and every technique I've ever run into that fosters it. Uh, but it, they're but they're all one-liners. It's not literate. Uh, oh. <laughs> so let's let's uh, let, let's intend that. Let, let me let me think about how to do it. 
Yeah, I like I love how you did it on this call. Just a little context about the purpose or use of the six dialogues and then just naming what the six dialogues mm-hmm, are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it does it what I've found for myself is just identifying them lets me mm-hmm. talk forever about each one. Like because because everything we know, I believe is embedded in those six. Yeah, as you were saying it, that really resonated. Did that resonate for anyone else who's left on the call? Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. Hey, Charlie, I'd like to uh, connect you with somebody in the U.K. who is a friend of mine. His name is Mark McCurgo, and he is the solution focus guy. I don't know if Mm -hmm. you know about that. No, I don't. don't. Um, It it builds on the work of uh, brief therapy, Steve DeShazer and people like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's been around in business circles for around 10 years, and it's um, it's it, it's an amazing uh, method of just focusing on the positive and asking people continuously what's emerging, what's better. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, really that better. sounds that sounds wonderful. I'd, I'd love to learn about it. You got my email address. Why don't you connect me connect with me that way, and uh, I will. We, we can have any conversation you want. Yeah, good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so I, I'm curious for um, folks hanging around, What um, would it be of value to have more calls like this? Definitely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would love, Good. gosh, I feel like we should have just a whole hour of people introducing themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so much fun. Oh, yeah. Well, we used to do a workshop in Santa Fe. This My Indian friend Robert Mirval and I would do a workshop and the first many hours was having people introduce themselves over and over again. <laughs> so they would go around once, and then they would go around again. And each time it got more deep and genuine and intense. It, it, it's remarkable. You know, you we know, did I, something like that at ECO, at ICCO. Were you just about to say that, Susan? Oh, no, I, no, I was going we to say that that... The description Charlie just gave about the introducing yourself over and over again seems very similar, and from my experience, to how to get an organization or a leader of an organization to identify a noble purpose mm-hmm. when he or she does not have an awareness that there is one. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah so that yeah, even yeah. in answer to, um, I think it was Lowell, possibly who raised a que- someone raised a question about strategic planning when there didn't seem to be a noble purpose, and it seemed very related to even the Dan and Yogurt example you gave, Charlie, where uh, when they continually reviewed what they were, what their business was about, they got to a noble purpose, which actually was very much like a mission statement, which is very central to a strategic planning process. So yeah, I yeah, think exactly. that whole process mm-hmm. of, yeah. Yeah, when you tie it, it, when you're able to tie your personal destiny to what the organization is doing. It's rare, but when you can tie it, it's immensely powerful. If you you just ask somebody to write down what I really want is over and over and over, after about 20 minutes, they will start to cry. They'll weep. Mm -hmm. They'll get to what it is that deeply moves them. And then when you put your, your... support, your work, your contribution in service of that, it's an offer that cannot be refused. Right. I think that's a very powerful process, actually. 
Yeah, and, you know, going back to the introductions, there was something really cool that happened at the ICCO Leadership Lab back in October of last year where um, it, everyone did their introductions, and, you know, in the room, but we were in the same room for two, two and a half days. And um, at every break or coming, you know, at the start and end of every main conversation that the group had, we would go around the room and everyone would say one tidbit. It was uh, um, <laughs> one introduction of themselves that was, something that nobody would know about them or that, you know, something that wouldn't have come up before. And there was so much richness of relatedness in that room as a result of these tidbits because you found out really cool, crazy, wild things that people did in their past or, um, you know, really unique interests or motivations. It was a really powerful thing. And it, it, you reminded me of that, Charlie, just now when you mm -hmm. talked about introducing over and over again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Really cool. Good. Okay. Well, does anyone so, else have any I comments or questions? I was just going to say, I think um, unless there's a lot more coming, which I would hate to miss, I'm going to click off and just thank both of you and all of our colleagues for this wonderful hour. Yeah, yeah you're thank welcome. You. It was great. Thank, thank you. you. It really was great. Yeah, thanks for coming down. Charlie, um, yep. before we go, this is Hannah again. I'm still uh -huh. here hanging out a bit. You mentioned Robert Mirabel, and yes. um, he's the flute player, yes? Uh huh. Yeah, he's, he's one of my best um, friends. Well, you probably then know Larry Mitchell, who plays with him. I met him. I, I don't know yeah. him well, but I've met him, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. he's. Um, he's a friend of mine, um, and so that leads me to think um, there's a part of my life that I rarely mention in coaching. I, I also have an acting background, but what I've been developing as I've lived here, because I'm my husband is a musician and singer, and I've been a singer my whole life, singer, dancer, and um, I play guitar. Now I'm learning to play a couple more instruments, <laughs> and spending more and more of my time doing that as well as um, poetry and writing. I'm interested in how much you use music for um, getting energy moving um, and creating. No, normally I don't, and I regret it. When I, I did workshops with Robert on the reservation. I'd bring in executives and people from around the world to look at their work and life from a native point of view. And we did a workshop. Uh, we did the first one. It was successful. The second one, we changed the context to music. So we began with music, and we used the flute, and we, we just made it's – a, it's a wonderful idea, and I don't do it uh, – I'm just not – you know, with Robert, it was easy to have it be that way, and and by myself, I haven't been an effective. Uh, I haven't led for that, but that's a great idea. I would love to work with somebody who would do that. Hannah, well, do you know about the music paradigm? Let's talk about it when you come over. Okay, Pardon? great. Mm -hmm. Do you know about great. the music paradigm? Have you guys heard of that? The music paradigm. Yeah, yeah. It's this um, conductor, oh, Roger. I want to say Nuremberg. Roger, is that is that a conductor? He um, does this really cool thing with music in organizations where he'll go in and do, you know, with a large group or a small group, any size group. Oh, but yeah, yeah. Things. I've been in one of his sessions Have at Linkage. Cool? Yeah, huh. it's very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't want to his... cut it off if you wanted to tell, talk more about it. 
Well, it's just I just wanted to see if you knew about it because that's it's definitely mm. a powerful. Yeah, and one one of those things, by the way, is uh, I've worked I've done I've worked with someone called Jill Purse who does harmonic overtone chanting and sacred sound, and um, have worked with somebody else whose name I forget at the moment, but we had a group of people where one person, everybody is making a sound, um, a tone. Well, lots of games, sort of, yeah, I guess mm-hmm. games, You exercises probably is a better word. Um, but this one was everybody making a tone, any tone that they like, and then another person conducting that. And another one was uh, with Jill was everyone connecting by uh, a pitch and a tone and a vowel. And then that gradually got reduced so that everybody was using the same pitch, tone, and vowel. And you had to find your partner with closed eyes in a group of people (laughs) just by the color of their voice. And the next thing was silently. Wow. And it works. Mm -hmm. It's, It's amazing. So maybe those are some things we can talk about when you come over. Yeah, that's very interesting. I, it, it, uh, it reminds me, I have a, a, a friend in Washington, D.C., who uh, he does a lot of work based on Shakespeare. And one of the you know trainings based on Shakespeare, and one of the things he has people do is he, everybody memorizes one or two lines from the, the Henry the Fourth or Fifth or the Band of Brothers speech. You know, those who share their blood with me today will be my brother, and he has them practice it. So it's very evocative, to where it's not just the words; it's the sound of it that is so evocative, and the sense of oneness or being or team or whatever word you want to use, connection is is intense from from speaking that way just from the, that way of powerful speaking, which is tonal. I mean, it's not, you could, we could read yeah, those words yeah. and it would just be. Well, yeah. one of the aspects of the work with Jill Purse was an awareness of the fact that most all spiritual traditions have some part of their cosmology that talks about the origin of the wor- world being in sound. For example, in the beginning was the word, mm-hmm. and and that it, I believe she said that Chinese emperors, the first thing that they used to do when they came to the throne, would be to travel around the country or landscape, making sure that all the music was in tune. And then we talked a lot about how different traditions would tune together once a week. Mm-hmm. For example, um, Islamic people um, to Mecca, or Jewish people Friday night, Saturday morning mm-hmm. with a cantor, Christian people maybe on Sunday singing with a choir, or Sunday night singing sacred harp music, and so on. And uh, of course, there's Buddhist chanting of various sorts. So that that is, of course, one way, along with laughter, which is also sonic. But, um, and, connecting. That's right. There's uh, it, 
I'm not sure what the I'm I'm not sure what the distinction I'm not sure what the distinction is. Um we right now we're designing a course called the Overview Experience. There was a book written in the late 90s by a guy I'm now close with called Frank White. The Overview Effect was what happened to many astronauts when they looked at the Earth and the universe from space. There was a transformation of consciousness at the level of the whole. There were no boundaries. There was utter silence. There was incredible beauty. It's in the same context as the music conversation or the silence conversation or the meditation conversation. Mm-hmm. But what we, what we want to do is a, a regular workshop, but with the context being the overview effect, the visually space visuals integrated into the conversation about your life. But mm-hmm. But when you try to say, well, what is the distinction you can't really name it. It's it's non it's, uh, as close as I get is is that before you name it, it's nonverbal. It's just plain too complex to put into words, and that's enormously in, inductive and in, inducing of transformation for anybody who's at all open to it. And some people aren't, but. Um, so we're, I don't know. We're that, hearing it. We're it? hearing music. <laughs> yeah, that, that was that was, yeah. My da- that was my daughter trying to call me. Oh, <laughs> I thought it was a cosmic experience happening. Well, it, it was. It was actually. <laughs> yeah, it was. The I'm universe. always open to that, you know. The, the universe was actually <laughs> calling us. Yeah. That's what it was. That's good. Okay, well, I don't want to keep you uh, from speaking to your daughter, but I'm looking forward to further conversations. Yeah, me too. It was great talking to you all. Okay. Thank you okay. again, Charlie. It's fabulous. And thanks for everybody thanks, for Susie. coming. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Have a great day. Yeah. Bye bye. Thanks, Susie. Oh. Bye. Hey, Susie.